you, ladies. I appreciate that very much. Titus chapter number 2. Titus chapter number 2. If you grab your Bibles and join me there. If you don't have a Bible, we have a pew Bible there in front of you. I'd love for you to follow along. And uh, Titus chapter number 2. As you find your spot, let me clear up something. I was approached after the morning service by a couple ladies. They said during your illustration when you said that your wife's sisters were much worse cooks than her, you were implying, don't, Mrs., Mrs. Cooper, don't say yes, yes, yes. No. I don't know how you look at things, folks, but I was not saying she's a bad cook. Okay, much worse means she's much better, okay? She's the best cook in the world. Let me go on record. Okay. Thankfully, she is my wife, and I was not in the doghouse, okay? So I got to her before you ladies did, okay? That was not what was said at all. I can't believe you people. Read into everything. I tell you what confront me like that. All right, well, back into this, and I'll, I'll be careful tonight, all right? Titus chapter number two, and uh, we carry on with the title of the, the series, The Christi- Christian Character Makeup of Christ Church. And as we look at this passage, if you're just joining us, uh, uh, maybe a visitor or someone who hasn't come on, on Sunday nights, what we're doing is seeing how Paul wrote to Titus about how the church is made up and how people should act and live within the church, different age groups. And we've seen here, verse 2, well, verse 1, he says, speak the things that become sound doctrine. And number 2, to age men. Number 3, age women. And then number 4, that they may teach the younger women. We looked at that, the couple of verses there. And so it's been quite a journey. We've had many stops of instruction along the way, and it's been great. Tonight we take one step closer to finishing up the passage uh, to see the full picture of what God has before us. And, and now he makes young men the object of the passage, the object of his teaching. Let's look at it. Verse number six. Notice the statement here. Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded. And it stops. One simple little verse for young men. And all the young ladies are like, that's just not fair. We had two verses and umpteen messages about young women. Well, I, we'll get to it in a moment. We'll explain it in a second. Now, now, now young men, okay, teenage men and uh, young men all alike, young married men, don't let that go to your head. It does not mean that you're the closest thing to perfection in the church. Okay, don't, don't start thinking along those lines. That's not true. There might even be some who read into it and say this and, and say, you know what, I, I know why there's so little it seems or appears that Paul is speaking to the young men. It, it, it's because Paul knew that the young men wouldn't listen anyway. They never listen to anyone because they are so headstrong. They think that they are the experts at everything and know everything. In all honesty, I've known a lot of young men like that. I may have been one one day. The fact is that that is true. And it's not, let me be careful and make this clear. It's not a generational thing. So don't sit there and say, well, millennials are that way. Generation X or baby. I don't know. It it is true. I mean, the reality is there is something to young men that we can get very headstrong. We can get in our heads that we can do anything, right? Uh, Hey, y'all watch this, right? The last words of many a redneck. Okay. We can do anything. We can attempt anything. We can accomplish anything. That's kind of in us. And, and I get that, and it's fed certainly by the flesh and so forth. But I, I don't think that is the reason that we have this instruction to young men that really only encompasses eight words. In the Greek, it's even less. It's five words. I, I don't think that's the reason. But I would say this. Thinking of it from that direction and that thought, it does give us a point of teaching that I believe is crucial for our young people. 
Now, young person, listen up, and I, I would say all of us ought to listen up, as we've seen in this passage. Everything that has been said has been very authoritative and instructive for all believers, and I would say that's true of tonight's subject matter. But young people, let me encourage you, both young men and young ladies, both uh, whether you're a young adult or you are a teenager or you're elementary, hey, start out early incorporating this characteristic in your life. And here it is. It's simple, this idea. Be teachable. Be teachable. You say, well, pastor, what is, what is teachable? Well, let's define it. Define, if we were to define it, it, it literally means able to learn, so having the capacity to learn but also willing to be taught. See, Webster's Dictionary adds a little something to it, and I like what it adds. It says this, you're favorable towards teaching. In other words, you have a favorable view of teaching. In other words, in your willingness to be taught, you look at someone trying to teach you, and you're just like a sponge. You're going to soak it up. You're going to listen. It's not that you don't check everything with the gospel. It's not that you don't make sure that it goes through the sieve of God's word, but you are teachable. And uh, uh, that is often contrary, contrary to what most people are like, most young people. See, it's very easy for any person, but it seems especially young men, to lapse into a know-it-all mentality and attitude. And it's displayed to the degree that others might even characterize them as not willing to learn that they are unteachable. Young man, tonight I would encourage you that you ought to be on guard uh, against such an attitude creeping up in your heart and your mind. Don't become someone who is unteachable. Don't think you have it all together in such a way that you're unteachable. And I'll be honest, I've seen it so many times as a youth pastor, but also just as a a person with young men. I remember in uh, upper elementary, grade school, and then junior high and high school, there's different people that I knew that I would try to tell them something, and their response was always this. Well, I already knew that. I already knew that. You didn't have to tell me that. I already knew that. I'm like, man, this guy knows everything. He should be on Jeopardy. (laughs) He knows everything. He's got it all together. He gets all, you know, in reality is one day I I said something that I knew wasn't true just to test him. I already knew that. Mm, Really? You know, I've met many other people like that in college, in the workplaces, and they just got, they know it all, man. They're they're Ken Jennings all over again, man. They They got it all down. They have the knowledge. I mean, they know it all. And, and I'll tell you, as a youth pastor, I remember some 7th and 8th graders coming in, and I'm like, oh, my, he knows it all. 7th and 8th grader knows it all. Hey, be very careful. I, I want to encourage us. We chuckle at it because the reality is we probably all met someone like that. Hey, we might have been like that at some point in our life. I'll be honest with you. I know a lot of people who grow up to be a know-it-all, but really they've never arrived. We all ought to be teachable. You know, when the Bible says, study to show thyself approved unto God, the fact is this, within that little word study, there is certainly the implication that you and I ought to be teachable for the entirety of our life. God's not done with us. He has a plan that he's working out. He is going to finish the good work that he began in you. And that means that you and I must remain teachable. So young person, young man especially, start out. Begin now. Make up your heart and mind to be teachable. 
to say, you know what, I'm going to be willing to learn. I, I'm going to be open to someone teaching me, my mom, my dad, other authority figures, other people in my life, a, a pastor, a youth pastor. It doesn't matter. I, I'm going to be teachable, have that attitude. Because the fact is this, if you let that attitude creep up into your heart, your mind, your thinking, um, the fact is this, that will not help you to become the Christian God wants you to be. It will prevent you from becoming the man that God wants you to be. And heaven knows this world needs some godly men out there. They need to have a heart and an attitude of being, I'll be teachable. God, you just teach me. Holy Spirit, you teach me. Mom, Dad, you teach me. I'm going to be the proverbial sponge soaking up everything I can. Let's be honest today. The fact is there are very few people with an attitude of teachability. We all have it figured out, or we all want to tell our opinions and share those instead of saying, okay, I'm teachable. I'm teachable. Let me learn. Let me uh, look favorable on being taught. You see, one of the great illustrations of this in the Scripture is Jesus Christ himself. The Bible tells us that he grew in stature. He physically grew up from a young boy into a young man and then to an adult man. And as he did, the Bible says what? He grew in favor with both God and man, right? He, he, he grew in favor with men. You want to know one of the quickest ways to grow in favor with mankind is to listen and learn. To be teachable, to have an attitude and a spirit that says, I will learn. Hey, young man, let me encourage you. A great way to get, uh, as we might describe it, to get ahead in life, I would say to be successful in life, in God's uh, plan, is to be teachable. To be teachable. Jesus Christ was. It was clearly on display uh, as being part of his spirit, of being teachable, as it was witnessed in his trip to the temple as around a 12-year-old. You know what it said about Jesus Christ? Remember Joseph and Mary, they were coming back and like, uh-oh, we left a kid behind. And some of you have left kids at church, and boy, is that fun. And they left a kid at church, right? And so some of you, thankfully, have not gotten a day down the road. Amen? Okay, so I'm so thankful we haven't had a kid stay here overnight, all right? Uh, I mean, he got left a long time there. And so then when they go back to the temple, what happens? There's Jesus Christ. And you know what it said about him? This is amazing. Now, don't miss this. Sometimes you think, oh, Jesus Christ is a 12-year-old, was standing up there, and he was lecturing these old men. It's not what it says. Notice what it says. It says this, and this is the paraphrase. You can look at Luke chapter 2, verse 46. Literally, he was sitting in the temple, I put in there, at the feet of, because typically a rabbi would stand, people would sit in front of them, he would read a passage, and then they would ask questions, and there would be an interaction. Literally, the Bible tells us that he heard them. He was hearing the, the instructors, the rabbis, the, the teacher, and he was asking questions. You know one of the greatest ways to learn and to express teachability is to ask questions. Catch that, young person? One of the greatest ways to learn and to express teachability is to ask questions. And I'll tell you, I think Jesus Christ was doing that. I think he not only heard them, I do think that Jesus Christ was imparting knowledge as God. No doubt about it. But I'll tell you, as a 12-year-old, as a young man, you know what he was showing? Some teachability. Some teachability. He was saying, I'll sit down and I'll listen. I'll, I'll pay attention. Uh, I'm going to open my ears and my eyes to what's being said. He listened with respect to the rabbi. He listened with an attitude of 
I'm going to learn something, a willingness. You know what? I, I think this is crucial. I know many of you do, and I appreciate this as parents, that you teach your children to, to sit up and to pay attention and to listen. It's something we do in our chapels here at Vaughn Story Baptist Academy. As we have the children here, one of the things we go over in the first, first chapel, and uh, we say, hey, sit up. Nice, straight, and tall, and give your eyeballs and your attention to the person in front. That doesn't mean we take out our eyeballs and throw them, okay? We look. We give them a chance. What, what did our moms and our grandmas teach us? Well, look me in the eyes when we're talking. Let's, let's look at each other. And I, it, it is communicating respect. But I'll tell you, if I have your eyeball, eyeballs and someone's sitting up, they're not slouching, I can tell they're paying attention, it communicates Teachability. Teachability. They're ready to listen. They're ready to take it in. They're ready to, to grasp, uh, uh, to be taught as this definition here. Oh, but Pastor Henry, Jesus Christ was God. Uh, even as a 12-year-old, he was, he was still God. He's still man, 100% both. I got it. He was. And if he can do it, so can you and I. If he can submit himself to be taught and express a willingness to be taught, we all can. Peter knew what that was like. In fact, Peter knew, he understood what gets in our way. Why aren't we teachable sometimes as a young person, young lady? Why aren't we as even an older adult? Sometimes we're not teachable. Why, what sometimes gets in the way? Well, Peter knew it, and probably from his own experience, we can easily deduct. And uh, he wrote about it and he, because he wrote to young men. First Peter chapter number 5, verse number 5, he says this, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with, what's the next word? Humility. Be humble. Have a humility about you. Notice it, for God resisteth the opposite of humility, pride. He resisteth the proud, and he giveth grace to the humble. Great verse. He's quoting now the Old Testament or paraphrasing. God resists the proud, but he gives grace unto the humble. You know, isn't that amazing? I dare say that I don't believe Peter early on in his time with Jesus Christ was very teachable. I think Peter and his personality tend to be, he was the guy always telling Andrew how things ought to have been. I know that, Andrew. We need to do this. And telling James and John, we got to do this. And this is the right thing. We ought to do this. And he even told Christ that. He even stood up against Christ and tried to say the same thing. So I think Peter was very unteachable for some of his life. But then things started to happen in Peter's heart, Peter's life. And my friend, he's writing here what I believe as we studied 1 Peter near the end of his life. And he's writing back. He says, listen, if there's anything I've learned, young person, submit unto the elder. And all of us ought to be subject one to another. Be clothed, not in pride that resists being taught. Not in pride that says, I don't want to hear it. I've got it all figured out. No, no. Don't be clothed in pride. Be clothed in humility that displays itself in a teachability. Why? God resisteth the proud, and I sure am thankful for this, but he giveth grace unto the humble. If I told you tonight, hey, you know what, there's a, there's a way for you to get more grace. I dare say, those of us who face storms and trials and struggles in your life, you say, what is it? Just tell me. I want, I want it. Well, here it is. Be humble. Be humble. Because God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. You know what Peter understood and he comprehended? That pride gets in the way. And young men, can I just challenge you? The fact is this, pride gets in the way. Pride often prevents us from being teachable as we ought to be. 
And so uh, the fact is this, one of the most obvious ways that it, pride expresses itself is in unteachableness. You see, it isn't specifically mentioned in this passage. I get that, but I want to encourage you tonight, young man, even young lady. Are you teachable? You need to be teachable. You need to make up your mind and your heart. You need to make a conscious decision. You know what? As a third grader, fourth grader, as a seventh grader, as a, as a high schooler, as a college young man, as a young adult, I'm going to make up my mind that I'm going to be teachable, that I'm going to allow God to, to work in me. And I understand that means that I'm asking for humility, and I need to display humility. That's a good, excuse me, that's a good decision to start with. And even better, you say, well, if I make that decision, what does it mean? Well, it means like you're being like Christ. <laughs> There's nothing in this life better than, to be like than Jesus Christ. As he displayed it and he grew in favor with man, it was certainly there. Let it carry out throughout your life, too. Never get to the place where you're unteachable. If Paul teaches us anything about old age, it's this. You never ought to act like you've already arrived until you get there. You never ought to act like you've already arrived until you get there. So don't act like you're in heaven and you're perfected yet because you're still here breathing this air with me. Until that day comes, you know what, friend? The fact is this, I can still learn. Don't believe the world when it says you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Some of you have actually learned how to use a cell phone. Oh, you have those newfangled tv remotes what happened to the old knobs we've learned some things haven't we you can teach an old dog new tricks some of us have memorized god's word when it's become very hard but we've done it so we can learn some things and i would encourage each of us not just the young men not just the young ladies but every single one of us be teachable be teachable you know, young person, I would encourage you in this truth. Being unteachable leads to many sorrows. It leads to being led astray. It leads to a path of heartache and regrets. Don't be that young person that's so headstrong. Now listen to me. Don't be that young person that is so headstrong that you don't learn the lessons of life that God intends you to learn from someone else. Did you catch that? See, a headstrong, prideful person is somebody who says, listen, I'm not going to listen to anybody. You know what they're typically doomed to? They're doomed to learn lessons through going through it. And some of us can attest to it. That is no way to learn because, my friend, you always come out with scars. You always come out with dings. You always come out with something hurting you and, and paying for it, regrets. And you know what? There are some lessons that God intends you, I would dare say, many lessons that God intends you and I to learn from some other people. They teach us. They're smart, experienced. They've learned God's Word, and they're teaching us things. At the very least, there's lessons in God's Word that ought to be able to keep you from experiencing scars, regrets, sorrows in the such. So young person, listen up. Be teachable. Remember, it's not just a scriptural command that brings spiritual blessings. You realize what this is? This is life advice from the author of life. This is life advice from the author of life. He gives us wisdom for making life work and also to work successfully. 
you need an example of that? Well, one day you will need a job. And your manager, your supervisor, your boss does not want a young person that's already an expert on everything. They want someone who's teachable. They don't want someone who is unteachable, proud, and unwilling to learn. They want someone who is humble and willing to learn. My friend, God has your best in mind when he gives us his word. So he wrote here, even through Peter, as he gave us the illustration of Jesus Christ himself, uh, he has our best in mind. Never forget it, pride and humility uh, and the lack of it, excuse me, pride and the lack of humility is often the downfall of many a young man. Pride gets in the way. So lose it and work at being teachable. So getting back to this passage, why such a short list? Why didn't Paul even allude to that when he's speaking to Titus? Well, we'll examine that, probably not tonight, but in the near future, why it it is seemingly so short. But let's do look at what he says here. He says, young men are to be exhorted or challenged to be sober-minded. Now, we have seen this. We've looked at this. It's been in two other verses and descriptions ahead, so I'm not going to belabor the point in any way. So let's just give a brief summary and review of what it means. It literally means to be sensible, demonstrating good judgment, self-control. That's the term, the thought. Not only in our thinking, but in our acting, it's, um, it's... um, the idea in Galatians chapter 5, verse 23, don't miss this. I think this is a crucial point that we tie in. Paul's writing to the church in Galatians. He says, listen, here's some fruit of the Spirit. Here's what the leadership of the Spirit in your life will produce. And in verse 23, he mentions the term temperance. It means self-control. See, self-control is therefore a fallout or a positive consequence of the Holy Spirit being in control. And that's what Paul's saying. You and I, we need to show temperance. We ought to show self-control, be sober-minded. Why? Why is he commanding this? Why is this so important for young men to be sober-minded, to be in control, sensible, uh, to ordering their steps in a way that pleases God? Well, a lot of that's because of this truth. There's a struggle, a constant struggle within every person, every believer, to be either self-flesh-controlled or spirit-self-controlled. So it's either flesh-controlled or spirit-controlled. And, and we use self-controlled here for the flesh, meaning that what I want to do, I just do. And whatever comes to mind, I do it. And, and yet the Bible says be spirit-controlled. And this is something we work at for the rest of our lives, isn't it? Be led by the Spirit in every situation, in every word uttered, in every action we take. So there's a self-controlled and not using it per se in the positive way, but the negative way, being flesh-controlled in my own lusts and my desires. But then there's Spirit-controlled, and that is to whom I'm to yield. That is the Holy Spirit indwelling every believer. What are young people often known for? Think about it. That goes contrary, and especially young men, I would dare say, they're known for. Well, you know what they're known for? impulsive action just doing not thinking just reacting and and not even giving a a second thought have you ever heard that an older elementary child maybe even a younger one or a teenager in response to the question why did you do that they say something like this i just wasn't thinking i just wasn't thinking i just reacted now granted I'm afraid we have a lot of adults that haven't grown up in the world in this area. 
just read some of the criminal reports. Just read the news a little bit, and you find people who are just impulsive. Road rage and everything else. You know what they've never learned? Well, certainly they need to come to know Jesus Christ first and foremost. But when you know Jesus Christ, then you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, and life is so much better when you're spirit-controlled instead of controlled by yourself. That impulsivity comes under control. I'm no longer impulsive in my action. And, and think about it. When they say, well, I wasn't thinking, I just reacted. It, it, we're not trying to dismiss wrong behavior. Such an excuse is inaccurate. It's often an attempt to get out of responsibility. But that statement, it describes the trap that young people, especially young men, can fall into. Don't miss it. Here, here's what happens. You say, oh, I don't realize that all happens in my head. Well, it does. It kind of goes on. What do, or it occurs. So what happens when someone reacts impulsively? In other words, uh, for instance, uh, probably the greatest indicator, if you grew up with boys, I had an older brother, your brother hits you, you don't even think about it. Right? You get right at it in the fight until you become spirit-controlled. You you just react, and you get out of anger, and you just react out of just a, it's impulsive. Uh, Here's really the trap. We act impulsively. We just do without giving thought to the consequences, without asking, is this a good decision? All the while just thinking, focused on one thing singularly about the immediate gratification of one's desire and wants. See, if my older brother Scott would hit me, the fact is this, when I was younger and a young man with youthful lust, part of that is this, you hit me, before you close your eyes, boy, it's coming back. It's impulsive, it's reacting, I'm coming at you, and it's just a reaction. Why? Because no one's going to get the better of me. I'm going to get revenge. You hit me, boy, I'm going to give it back to you. It's just a response, immediate gratification of I want vengeance. Can I tell you, there's a whole lot of that going on in the world. A lot of people are impulsive. And young people, I just challenge you, part of each one of us growing up in Christ is realizing, man, I need to be spirit-controlled. At home, at school, at church, out in the world. I can't just fly off the handle. I just can't be impulsive. Whatever comes to me to do, I, I just respond and react. Oh, my friend, that leads down a bad path. For many, it leads to prison and jail. It does. Others, it leads to heartaches and regrets and problems and sorrows. Yeah, you see, you could call it and, and give it anything, any desire or want that you want immediate gratification for, revenge, respect among peers, so you'll do something, you'll pick on somebody, you'll, you'll, you'll treat something wrong, you'll, uh, whatever, an appetite appease, you'll just do it. It's impulsive. I would call it a youthful desire, a youthful lust, literally to be controlled by the flesh, self-controlled in that way. Now, what's interesting is this, isn't it? Paul actually wrote about this. Paul said, listen, hey, don't be like that. Grow out of that. Grow in Christ and allow the Holy Spirit to control you. Turn over to the, uh, just back a couple pages, 2 Timothy chapter 2. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22. Paul, he, he's speaking to a young man, Timothy, who has great responsibility. And one of the things he tells him is quite interesting in 2 Timothy chapter 2, in verse 22. Notice it. Flee also youthful lust, desires. 
Youthful impulses, those things that, that as a young person, you just want immediate gratification. What I like about this passage, and every preacher probably does, he leaves it very open-ended, doesn't he? He doesn't go on to describe them and so forth. Oh, he talks about some things prior, but then he talks about some positive things the rest of verse 22. I would submit to you tonight that one of these youthful lusts is certainly not only not being unteachable, but impulsive action. Not being spirit-controlled, but being self-flesh-controlled. You realize what he says? Part of growing up in the Lord. Now remember, this is a theme throughout the New Testament. You and I are not to be as babes, start out that way, desiring the sincere milk of the Word, but then we're supposed to grow up and cut our teeth on the meat of God's Word. We're supposed to grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, the knowledge of His Word, the doctrines that are presented to us through His faithful Word. Then as we do that, we are growing into the image of Christ. What He has before ordained that we would not only commit good works, but we become like Christ. And the fact is this, here's one of the ways you grow up, young person. You stop acting impulsively and you start acting as a spirit-controlled believer. And the fact is this, let's be honest, adults, sometimes our emotions can get the better of us. Circumstances can get the better of us. Uh, Things happen and and so forth, and we fall back into a very flesh-oriented, flesh-controlled living in which we are impulsive. And a good indicator is when soon after you say something to yourself like this, I wish I'd never done that. I wish I'd never said that. I wish I could undo that. What it's probably a good indicator of is that we probably slipped up and we went back into flesh. Hopefully just temporary. Hopefully just momentary. But you don't realize but being a Christian and a believer who's pursuing godliness and holiness, pursuing being like Jesus Christ, it says, you know what? I'm not going to be self-flesh controlled. I'm going to be spirit self-controlled. I'm going to yield to Him and allow Him to help me not to be so impulsive. Not to just react, to think of the consequences, to think about what's going to be the best decision and the best choice in this situation. I love this passage, and I love the challenge in this simple little verse of being sober-minded, sensible, making sound judgment, judgment that, that is good and informed about what is right, what is good for me, and how I'm to live. And it means that I am self-controlled by the Spirit. I am Spirit self-controlled, if I may describe it as such. You know what I would say to you? We tie together all these passages, and and what is the admonition here first to young men? I would say it's this. Um, Excuse me. We are given a total exhortation to be spirit-controlled, not self-controlled flesh. We are to be teachable, not a know-it-all. And we are to act responsibly, not impulsively. Now, young person, young lady, young man, may I tell you, this is some of the best advice that you could ever be given. Some of the best advice. You want to make your way in life and you want to grow in favor with God and man? Here it is. Follow God's word. Be spirit controlled, not not self-flesh controlled. Be teachable, not a know-it-all. And then act responsibly, not impulsively. And you say, well, that's great. That's a good start. Where does it go from here? Well, thankfully, Timothy answered that, didn't he? What does he say? Verse 22, he says what? Follow after. What are we supposed to follow after? Look at the things he lists. Righteousness in thought and in deed. Be righteous. Be, be just. Be right. Be holy in your thinking and in your actions. Then he says this, faith. Literally, he's referring to faith being lived out day by day, moment by moment, choice by choice. Who are you? You're not just another person on earth. You're a child of the king. 
Live like it. You have faith in Jesus Christ? Live like a disciple of Jesus Christ. Live out your faith. Follow after that. Put those things off that are of the flesh, that unteachableness, that pride, that that, uh, impulsivity. Put that off and put on love and righteousness, these fruit of the Spirit. He also says what? Love. Love for God and love for others. Uh, Timothy also says, or Paul says to Timothy, a peace-seeking living. What does Christ say in the Beatitudes? Blessed are the peacemakers. Those who make peace at home and at school and at church and the workplace, out in the world. Be a peacemaker. Be this person who doesn't have to fight for your rights or your opinion. Be the person who seeks after peace. Follow after that, he says. And then he says, join with those who have the same heart. That's a great statement, isn't it? Here in verse 22, he says, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, that's love, peace with them that call on the Lord. Now, he gives a qualification out of a pure heart. May I tell you, my friend, best thing you can do is find some friends who have a pure heart to follow after God. Yeah, uh, the Bible's clear that friends affect us. They, they corrupt good manners is the terminology in the Scripture. So you've got to be careful in choosing your friends. And here Paul says to Timothy, listen, Timothy, make sure you hang out with Christians, not just Christians, but people who have a pure heart. Wow. Pretty strong statement, isn't it? So the first reality is I need to make sure my heart is pure. And then I need to find some like-minded people who are going the same direction because Amos says it well, can two walk together except they be agreed. And so not only am I going to flee youthful lust, but I'm going to surround myself with some fellow young people, young men, young ladies. I'm going to get together with some friends that want to follow after righteousness. They want to follow after peace. They want to follow after love. And they want to follow after the Lord of lords and the King of kings. My friend, there's no better instruction to you and I than these things that have been laid out before us as a young man to become an old man in Christ, to grow into the very image of Jesus Christ. And when you do that, you're going to set yourself up for great success as a child of God. Father, we thank you for your word. I'm grateful for the truths that we have found in this passage. And Father, that your Holy Spirit has led us to uncover, to challenge ourselves in this evening. And Lord, I pray that you would work on every heart here now as we enter into this invitation, this time of reflection and consideration of what you've given us. I, I pray, Lord, that you might speak to our hearts. Lord, even as older adults, wherever we are at as a believer, Lord, I pray we'd make sure that these things are true of us. And Lord, may every young person honestly analyze their own life, their attitude, their spirit. Are they teachable? Is there more pride than humility on display? Are they impulsive instead of being responsible and thinking through, showing good sensibility and good judgment? Father, may it be true of all of us. May we strive to please you, reflect well upon you about how we conduct our lives. Father, this invitation, I pray you speak to each of us wherever we are. Wherever our life is, wherever we need to grow, wherever we need to take note of your word this evening, I I pray in this invitation we will respond accordingly. May we not leave here the same way we came in. May our hearts be encouraged, may our spirit be challenged, and may our, our soul be lifted up, Father, through what we've heard tonight, what we've experienced in worship. And Lord, may we take your truth and then put it into action. 
May it be found in us. Father, there's no greater testimony than to be able to say your word was found in us, lived out, hidden in our heart, and followed in every way possible. May that be so tonight. Lord, bless in this invitation as only you can. With heads bowed.